So hello and welcome. Uh, very excited to be joined by Swami Ramananda today. A little bit about Swami Ramananda. He is the president of the Integral Yoga Institute in San Francisco, a greatly respected senior teacher in the Integral Yoga tradition. He's been practicing yoga for over 35 years. Uh, Ramananda offers practical methods of integrating the timeless teachings and practices of yoga into daily life and transforming the painful aspects of human experience into steps toward realizing one's full potential. So I wanna begin by just kind of asking you how you're doing during this time, what it's, what the time of COVID has been like for you. Mm. It's been a mixture of things, Avi. Uh, probably especially in the earlier months, there was so much adaptation we had to do here, so many decisions to make, um, so many new things to get used to. We had to train our staff, um, the residents of the Institute, how to cope with the new system of online registration. Uh, I think for the first few months, uh, I felt like I was fairly stressed by all this adaptation. Uh, but slowly but surely, this, the systems that we worked out uh, got smoothed out. And, and I guess everyone, our students every, and our, our staff and our uh, residents, we all got used to using this format and to doing things this way. Um, and so it's become more and more um, smooth in terms of the operation. Um, and that means that my life is a little more easy uh, or functions in a little more balanced way. <clears throat> in the summer, we did the stress management teacher training and we accepted a little over 60 students for that. So that was a new experience, 60 people online uh, and challenging to handle a group of that size. Uh, this fall, I've been teaching a group of 18 online in a intermediate teacher training and and that feels more manageable. I can get to know them a little more. Um, we have, we all had a chance to introduce a pet or a partner. <laughs> we see each other's homes and their pets, you know, the dogs and cats are constantly in view. Um, so um, it was a little more, um, a little more sense of, of connection with a smaller group that way. <clears throat> but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, all over the place with answering your question. Uh, I see how, I think the essence of what I wanna say is I see how the practice of yoga is my anchor. Uh, it's shown me even more potently than ever how important it is to have a regular practice, even in the moments when I don't feel like doing it or feel like I have too much to do, um, I'm reminded again and again after I practice how important it is to keep touching this place that's unchanging in the midst of all the change. Uh, to keep like grounding myself in the present moment, um, keep uh, allowing my mind to release all the tension that it's holding and all the uncertainty about the future, 
um, and rest in the present moment. It's, it's, yeah, that's, that's been a savior for me. And I think for many people. Thanks for sharing. Um, I think of a connection between kind of how you describe your yoga practice and uh, what the experience of, of COVID has been. So you, you were, you were answering the question to start by talking about all the changes that have happened and getting comfortable with the changes. And then I think about someone who maybe is interested in yoga a little bit, but there's some stigma, stigma attached to what it means to be a yogi or to practice yoga. And is there something there too about kind of leaning forward into being uncomfortable with something new and exploring areas that might lead to um, a higher quality of life? It's like, I don't have this yoga practice that you're talking about, this anchor, but I like the way that it sounds. How can I take steps in that direction? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a, I, I'm not sure if I completely understand your question. Let me share the thoughts that come and, and see if you want to say something more. Uh, but what you bring to mind, Avi, is the fact that we don't like to be uncomfortable. And starting a yoga practice um, can feel awkward and um, like we're not sure of ourselves. Uh, starting anything new that we're not already good at uh, is not really comfortable. Um, it doesn't make us feel accomplished and successful. Um, it threatens uh, the self-image that we're trying to create and, and sustain for ourselves to be successful in the world. Uh, so I think that's a, a challenge for anyone starting any brand new thing. <laughs> like, I don't about, about 10 years ago, I tried um, learning a musical instrument for the first time. And it takes a while. You really have to... Uh, be a beginner and take those very small gradual steps uh, and for quite a while not feel at all like you can do much and be okay with that. Uh, and that's, I think that's challenging, especially in the world we live in where there's so much importance, so much value placed on appearance and, um, and feeling uh, successful or masterful at, at doing anything. Uh, so hopefully the recent movements within the realm of yoga towards uh, acknowledging the importance of yoga being available for everyone uh, and that it can be practiced in very basic ways uh, with the whole accessible yoga movement, hopefully more and more people feel like they can gain access to something that that has that value um, without feeling like they don't have the right clothing or the right look or the right body um, or the right flexibility in order to be able to practice. Uh, but I think anytime you start something new, there is that, there has to be that, uh, that willingness to be a little uncomfortable and, and be with it in order to get anywhere. 
I don't know if that really addresses your question. No, I totally, that's exactly what I was getting at, that starting something new and, and being uncomfortable. Uh, you know, my question is, how does, how does that uneasiness form in us? Because, you know, I look at my daughter and she's nonstop trying new things. Like right, all children <laughs> yeah. are, are totally fine with this beginner's mind. It's not a problem to them, you know, being bad at something for a while, or that concept doesn't even come into their head. So what, what is happening that's all of a sudden, you know, forming such a care of how well I'm doing something, right? This identity with my performance, which I think in a lot of ways, what we're talking about prevents me from improving my life because I'm going to stay in this safe box area that uh, I'm comfortable with. I'm not going to explore. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question, Avi. It's, it's no doubt a part of the socialization process. Um, and a part of this sort of ego identity, this came up in a conversation recently with some, with a small group of people um, that, oh, maybe it was on Sunday in the talk that Ashokananda and I gave Sunday morning. Um, I think it's, mm, we need an ego to be sick, to, to act as an individual in the world. So, so the, the whole goal of yoga is not to get rid of the ego. Right? I think we all understand that the ego is an aspect of, uh, of a necessary aspect of human life. Um, it's just that the, the ego, when it's built on the misunderstanding of our true nature, right? when it's formed under the influence of ignorance, then it leads us into this position where we're trying to pr protect an image instead of um, experience something beyond that level of our being. So I think it's during the years when we're learning to see ourselves as an individual and to be successful in the world, that this begins to happen, where we become afraid of not looking capable. Um, we do need to function as individuals. Right? We do have to get a job, earn a living, support ourselves. Um, even though we say we're all one, right? I can't ask you to pay the rent for me. Uh, so that's we, we do need to know how to function that way. The problem comes when we only understand ourselves to be individuals. Right? And, and, and I think it's just our, the culture that we live in that um, in so many ways, um, ingrains this kind of messaging into our uh, into the way that we understand ourselves and the way we relate to the world. So we end up in this place where uh, we become more invested in protecting this identity that we formed that seems important in order to succeed as an individual, more invested in protecting that from any kind of threat than um, then learning to experience another aspect of ourselves beyond that, which which just doesn't have that much 
credibility in the in the world around us. There aren't many messages coming from our culture to to value uh, experiencing ourselves outside of that that way of defining success and and uh, happiness. Does this this problem ever feel like overwhelming <laughs> to you, or do you have hope that we'll kind of our culture will shift and evolve uh, into a sort of healthier place uh, where those kind of messages aren't being pushed onto us so strongly? That's a good question. Uh, you know, I don't really have that particular hope. Um, because fortunately, it's not up to me how all this works, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm I'm trustful that it's uh, I have faith that it's in hands of a much higher intelligence than than we have. Um, I I do feel that our culture is evolving. I do feel that, um, and I'm not sure that it's evolving in a steady. Um, way that is progressively becoming more self-conscious and more aware um, and more spiritual. I'm not sure. It seems like it at times that there are more consciousness raising organizations, that there's more mindfulness, that there's more kindness and compassion. Um, certainly our world was dominated by the major religions at one point. And now there seems to be a lot of um, spirituality happening that isn't um, functioning purely under the guidance of the more kind of prevailing religious traditions. Um, that's more based on um, simple human values. Um, like the Dalai Lama, um, he has a book called Beyond Religion. Uh, to me, that's a beautiful example. I mean, he's a Buddhist, but here's his book, Beyond Religion, uh, that's all about the religion of kindness, right? which is universal, which is not invested in upholding some um, spiritual uh, or some religious definition of how you should live. So it, it does feel like there's some evolution in this direction towards um, a kinder, um, a, a kinder world, and and maybe that's because of the technology that makes us so aware of each other, right? That we never were before. It's an interesting um, aspect of of human evolution that we're much more aware of what's happening all over the world now. We know right away. Uh, there's not a big time lapse, and. Uh, and we can't think of ourselves as so isolated as we once were, <laughs> when in fact you can receive any number of different messages from your one device, from, from your Instagram, your WhatsApp, your Facebook, your email, and a text message. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a kind of astounding actually how connected and reachable we are. Um, so, yeah, maybe it's changing, but I, I'm not holding my breath. I'm not worried about it. Uh, I'm just trying to do my part. 
it makes me think about uh, truth. And at least for me, the exploration of what is true is a lot of what yoga is about. And, and so is, is truth something that just, it, it keeps on kind of rearing its head more and more like, like what you're saying, like the, the natural outcome of uh, technological advances is the fact that the truth becomes more and more apparent, right? As an example, you know, our interconnectedness and maybe for reasons that we've already discussed, it, it might seem comfortable to run away from the truth. I don't want to kind of look and see, I'll take um, countries as an example. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I've grown up with American pride. That is very important to be an American. And maybe not only that, but that we're competing against uh, other countries. Right. And then now let's say you uh, you're online a lot and interacting with different people around the world and you start to make friends with, you know, people in Europe and Asia and Africa. Maybe that that sentiment is is not as strong anymore. And you have to you have to question that and say, well, do these borders really hmm. make sense? And, and if they do, do we need to redefine the competitive aspect of it and then realize that we're, we're a part of the same team, whether or not we want to be? Mm. Mm. Yeah, that seems beautiful to me, Avi, um, that we have that potential to reach across these barriers so that a person in another country is not some uh, you know, just some idea that we've received from the, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what do you call it when a country creates? Uh, propaganda? Uh, propaganda, that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> from some propaganda, you know, the, the, the communists, the Russians, you know, the Chinese, the bad guys, right? I remember growing up, the <laughs> there were these common, these, these cartoon shows where the cartoon bad guys were Russians uh, named Boris and Natasha. (laughs) (laughs) These were the bad guys. Like (laughs) these are just, but, but of course, if we have the opportunity to meet people like this, they're just ordinary human beings like we are and, uh, and maybe loving and caring. And so I think there's a beautiful potential there uh, to be able to reach across these boundaries and reach through the kind of, ideas that we have and actually encounter people for who they are. Uh, the, the thing about truth that you brought up, though, is, is equally interesting question, because with all this technology, I'm not sure that we really know the truth, because, <laughs> because there's so many forms of truth that you can find that spin it one way or the other, uh, especially in this country. I think we've kind of lost touch with what's really true. Because it depends on who's reporting it and what they're invested in. So this actually, I'm making a connection uh, between this and what you said about the religions and the Dalai Lama um, and the fact that, you know, kind of standard religions were um, maybe more influential or impactful in the past than they are now. There's, There's a change happening there. So I, I think I equate this to receiving information from various news sources. Um, so I don't know. I'm just going to share how, how I feel about this. And I'd love to hear what you think. But for me, like the, 
there's a problem in kind of, um, I'm going to take that back for a second. I'm not sure if it is a problem, but there is something that happens within each of us that we, we decide, am I going to just trust this source outside of myself as being an expert and take Mm -hmm. that on and kind of repeat it because I believe what they're saying? Or am I going to be a filter and kind of digest it through my own system of knowing and make a decision whether or not it feels right to me? And a little bit of the danger in doing that, I think, is is maybe throwing out humility and thinking, oh, I can know anything, right? Like, and I think about yoga like this a lot, right? Like the masters, like who am I or who are any of us to question what a master, you know, says says to do? They're so they're so amazing in so many ways, um, but maybe the problem is not investigating, not being that filter in ourselves and, and coming to the decision, Oh, that feels right. Or that doesn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a challenge, no doubt. Um, there are a lot of different ways to go. You know, we, we can get locked into one source of information, uh, like the New York times or, uh, CNN or, um, Fox News, <laughs> and and just just gobble it up as the truth. Um, we can try to look at different sources so that we feel like we have different opinions. Uh, we can try to filter it through our own common sense. Um, I think the ultimate need is is to know that the ultimate thing is not to look at anyone as to blame, right? There's lots of problems, Um, but, and and people have, do horrific things and uh, sometimes demonstrate very harmful behavior, but why? Uh, Ultimately, the, the suffering is transferred from one generation to another uh, through ignorance, misunderstanding, uh, through trauma and violence. Um, I think ultimately we want to rise above any detail about any one group of people to, um, to look at them with the eyes of compassion. Um, but certainly in order to maybe coming back down to more practical things like voting, um, there's an example where I think what you're talking about really applies. You know, how do we decide what is true and what is right and how we should uh, place our vote? Uh, we have to do our best to be well-informed um, and to find sources of information that we feel like we can really trust, um, not just the ones that feel comfortable. Um, but the ones that feel neutral and uh, insightful. It's a, it's a quagmire, this whole search for truth. Yeah. And, and does it have uh, a connection to um, 
what you were discussing about kind of the, the how, how much we're beholding to the image that we portray to other people, um, maybe in the form of, of opinions. I'm taking my, my opinions really seriously and I have to get it right. And who I'm voting for is, is the right person. So can these practices of yoga maybe liberate us from that and, and kind of bring us to a place where I, I don't take who I am or what I think so seriously seems hard to, to do that in this day and age that we're all really, really concerned about our image and, and our opinions. And it's, it's a new, it's a new way of, of, of living. Also, it's a new way of living, not to blame. Like if, if, if I don't spend my time blaming or judging other people, like, what am I going to do all day? I don't know what that's like. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think you, you hit the nail on the head, Avi. Um, I think you're, you're kind of asking me what I think, but you're saying something beautiful right there, just that, that it is possible for our yoga practice to help us rise above this um, dependency on our outward appearance, to feel at peace in a, uh, with ourselves, to feel at peace with our decision-making, um, to relate in a healthy way in the world. You know, when we, when we touch this place within ourselves where we find a natural sense of contentment and peace, then we're just less dependent on anything outside to feel that. So the more that we touch that place inside, the more that we connect to it, the less that we depend on anything circumstantial, any situation, in order to feel okay, in order to be okay. Meaning that we're willing to uh, be wrong. Uh, we're willing to speak out. We're willing to uh, take a stand that uh, is uncomfortable or that may rile up some people or um, be misunderstood. We're willing to do that because we're not counting on everyone liking us uh, for our sense of, uh, for our peace of mind. I think it's so important. Um, that's what enables us to really be active in the world in a way that that uh, that that has the opportunity to to change the world uh, for the better. Um, you know, to to act in ways that are expressive of the, our spiritual values. Um, to accept criticism and improve and grow. It's impossible without that um, that ability to feel okay about myself, um, even if I'm wrong, even if I make a mistake. Um, wow, what a relief it is uh, to be in that situation. <laughs> and there's my telephone. <laughs> this is the problem with that phone. I don't think I can mute it. Yeah. yeah. We'll just wait for it. It'll stop. Yeah. I think that's it. Can, yeah. can you just repeat that? Maybe that last last part again? Yeah. yeah. Let's see. Where was I? Hmm. Yeah. That 
what I'm thinking of in particular is, is criticism, right? How can we expect ourselves to improve or grow if we can't be at peace with being wrong and learning something new or discovering where our, our thinking is faulty? Um, how can anyone else point it out to us without us being defensive? How, how can we even be willing to reflect on ourselves uh, and, and why we're suffering unless we're willing to admit um, the, the wrong thinking or the, the uh, unconscious habitual, the old beliefs, right? That are compelling us to behave in ways that are unhealthy. So it's, it serves us in so many ways to be at peace with uh, being wrong um, and needing to improve. And it's such a relief. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is, is this where maybe the, the healthy aspects of the ego can come into place? Because I've been thinking about this because we, we talk about, you know, the ego isn't go anywhere, going anywhere and that there is, you know, a healthy ego. So my inquiry a little bit is that, you know, can a healthy ego be re related to this sense of security and a feeling of wholeness, you know, in myself, not as in, not, not in comparison with anyone else, not as better or worse than another person, but just I'm created like this. I'm secure in the being that, that I am. And then if I feel that wholeness, it, it seems that it becomes a lot easier to take criticisms or even take compliments and not get too rocked one way or another because I'm stable in that, that wholeness. Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said, Avi. I don't know if I need to say much about that. I think you said it really well. Uh, but, but the example that comes to me is uh, you, you're, you're doing it now, Avi. You're parenting a child. And when the child makes mistakes, you can kind of smile and say, well, it'll learn in time. Right? I think we need to be with that way with our own minds. right? Mm. When we can recognize our minds are like children, especially in sometimes, then we're not completely identified with that mind and that behavior. We're not completely invested in being perfect. And, uh, and it's easier for us to have compassion for, for our own minds, the way they are, and accept them. Um, so if we can have that kind of um, compassionate awareness of our own minds and not be so uh, devastated when, uh, when they're making a mistake. Um, yeah. Then, then the learning process is, is a natural one. Um, it seems that com com compassion is, is huge. Like you said before too, that like, we're, we're kind of a part of this cycle, right? Like this energy that's been passed down from pre previous generations. When I, mm -hmm. when I kind of realized that, that really was impactful, you know, to me. And then I kind of had more compassion for the situation that, that I, and I think all of us are in right now. Like we've just kind of found ourselves here and this is the situation yeah. that we're dealing with. Yeah. 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 We didn't even ask for these impressions to be put into <laughs> our minds. They just got there. I didn't ask for it. Uh, I didn't uh, download this uh, identity that I've, that I'm stuck with and these 
these past experiences, right? These samskaras, as we call it. It's true. It's it's just it just ended up this way. Mm. Yeah, I had another thought about that, but I lost it. Oh, oh, it's just that there's a, when I was younger, I studied a, a type of, um, interpersonal counseling that was called um, co-counseling where people kind of acted as a therapeutic listening presence for each other. And, and one of the premises of this um, school of thought was that everyone is doing the best they can all the time. Uh, and I, I love that idea. It made so much sense to me. Um, and it's really kind of, uh, stuck in my mind as something that I really believe in. It's very hard to feel that sometimes. <laughs> um, but I think it's a great guideline. Uh, and it, it just rings so true that even when someone's committing a terrible crime or, or very harmful behavior, that that's the best they can do in that moment. And who knows what trauma they have suffered and what you know has been done to them in the past to give rise to that way of being that that they actually would seek that out as a way of um, pursuing a, a, a fulfilling life themselves, harming other people. Like what darkness must must dwell in their hearts? Uh, I think I think you're right. Compassion is such a huge thing. Um, we can't get enough of it. <clears throat> and I, th I think it's it comes naturally when we touch deep enough inside of ourselves. <clears throat> when I was younger, uh, I forget where it came from, but I think from either the uh, Taoist tradition or the Buddhist tradition, this idea of a ground of being. Um, and I like that a lot, that if we go deep enough, then we begin to touch this place where, where we're all connected, right? That we begin to... Uh, experience this consciousness that it essentially the same in everyone. And, and when we touch that place where we're connected, then we realize, oh, I, we are a part of the same whole. Right? And we can no longer think of ourselves as separate. Uh, that's, that's one of the great blessings of a spiritual practice that, that can help us find that place and touch it. When you touch that place, what do you think the natural outcome is from, from going that we're feeling that deeply that I am, I am connected to not only other people, but all of nature. What, what happens when we do that? Mm. Mm. I think a few things happen. It can't help but begin to change the way that we understand and experience ourselves. If our experience of ourselves is built entirely on what we've been taught, on the prevailing messages of the culture, under the illusion of separation, 
so that we have to be a successful individual body mind in order to be happy. Um, we'll, we'll continue to lead a life of relentless effort to prove ourselves and to try to create happiness. But when, when we touch this place, that brings an experience of a, a form of happiness. And you know, it's a difficult word to, to use in a nuanced way, a form of natural kind of contentment that's already there independent of circumstances. So the more we touch that, the more that changes the way that we experience ourselves. Um, it, it begins to redefine us. In a way you could say, our identity is a structure in the subconscious mind. And ultimately that structure is built on a faulty foundation and the foundation has to be replaced. And sometimes the building has to be torn down. <laughs> so life goes about tearing down our building, <laughs> right? Uh, piece by piece, tearing pieces off, breaking us apart, breaking open our hearts, uh, but ultimately so that a new foundation can be laid. Uh, and that foundation begins to change the way we interact in the world, right? From that new foundation of, of uh, inner stability, uh, a place that we have access to whenever we need it, as the center of peace and balance. From that place, we can act in the world free of needing to prove ourselves and be right and needing to think that we're better or different than someone else. Um, we can uh, change our behavior because we're not uh, invested in trying to protect ourselves um, from the world around us, uh, even from death. Uh, and of course, that's a kind of a big thing to say, but, but we see examples of, uh, of people who are not afraid of standing up for what they believe, even if it uh, may, may cause their lives, their very lives to be threatened. I'll, I'll give you this one little anecdote that just popped into my mind. I remember, I don't know from where I heard it, uh, but I remember this, uh, this little anecdote of a, a monastery somewhere in the Far East being invaded, um, you know, by this army that was overwhelming the whole country. And the monks knew in advance this was happening and they all fled, uh, but the head monk didn't leave. He continued his practice and lived his days in the same way. And eventually the invading army did come across the monastery and come through and they were searched through the monastery and probably they were pilfering whatever they could that was valuable. And they discovered the head monk there and he was brought before the head of the invaders. Um, and, and this head of the invaders said to the monk, don't you know who I am that I can in a single blow, cut off your head and end your life. And the head monk answered, don't you know who I am? That I can allow my head to be cut off in a single blow <laughs> without, without flinching, something like that, right? And I, I love that example that, and oh, oh, and the end of the story is uh, they left the head monk alone and, and left. They recognized his, his, his elevation, his level, uh, the head of the invading army had respect for him and let him go. 
That's a long-winded answer. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I love it, and I'm I'm glad that you brought up death. It, actually, this well, say it's a concept or whatever. Just death keeps on kind of popping up for me, and from many different places, and uh, that feels also like it's a little part, a, bit, a little bit part of the awakening, is to form a relationship with with death, um, because again, if we're interested in in the truth. You know, the truth is that this can come any time for us. I mean, that's not, uh, that's just how it is. (laughs) And, and, and so, you know, like ultimately for myself, I like, I just don't want to be afraid. You know, I, I, I just don't want to live in, in fear. And I notice when I really accept that death can come at any moment, and I feel that, and it's like, and I'm, I'm accepting that it could be this moment. All of a sudden, I, I feel liberated. There's a yeah. liberation that happens right there. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. Right. I think that idea, Avi, is that another part of this restructuring of the subconscious mind that I'm, I'm thinking of. Anytime that we have that kind of clarity, we see the truth, we recognize it, even if we didn't experience this profound meditative uh, peace, um, when we see the truth and we recognize it and we affirm it to ourselves, it's just another small way that we contribute to the restructuring of the subconscious mind uh, that gradually enables us to be freer and freer in day-to-day life. Yeah, I'm actually glad you brought that up because you know I think that is a lot of times where going to this place of of peace and feeling connected will lead and it will lead to purpose our dharma yeah. way because if i just think that like oh whatever i do in my life is just for me and doesn't have really much of an effect on anyone else that feels like it only has a, a certain amount of energy yeah. but if what i do um affects the the greater whole of this cosmic web then whoa i might really in a good way, look at um, what I'm doing with my life a little bit more seriously. Uh, Avi, this is such a great point you bring up. I love it. And this is what Gurdjieff said to us over and over and over again. Uh, It's easy to think when we're on our Hatha yoga mat by ourselves in our homes that we're practicing for ourselves in order to get more flexible, a little stronger, a little healthier. But Gurdjieff emphasized over and over again, your practice is not just for you. It's so that you can be present in the world, to be of service in the world. And and every every, uh, instance of practice contributes to the transformation of your being, which is contributing to the collective consciousness of our planet. Um, So I think right now, when we see these enormous complex challenges, these crises in in so many different forms from climate change to the refugee crisis to political unrest and economic polarization and on and on and on. It it becomes not just a a gift to have a yoga practice, but a responsibility. Mm. Uh, We have this opportunity to transform ourselves and at least to give birth to another awakened person in the world. Um, 
those that really accomplished that to a great degree, like Buddha or Jesus, they transformed thousands of lives and they will continue to transform millions of lives over, over time. Right? So we need not aspire to something that great, but, but just transforming our, our own hearts is a tremendous contribution to the well-being of our planet. Uh, and I think it's easy for us in the enormity of the problems to be overwhelmed by them and to think that we can't do much, but, but we can. Um, and we do it every day if, uh, if we keep practicing. So I think that's such an important message that, that Gurdjieff tried to emphasize to us. Um, it's just hard to really get it. We, we just don't see it clearly enough. Yeah, but I think there's a, a tendency to, to not want to be responsible for what's happening. It's easier to just say, I'm not, I'm not responsible for what's going on right now. Yeah. And in a way, that's true. But I think in a way, all of us are responsible. There's no one that isn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well said. <clears throat> Thich Nhat Hanh, I remember reading his words once in an interview, and he said, the roots of violence are in the human heart. Not in those people's human heart, <laughs> in the human heart. Right. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think you said it beautifully. It is, it is all our responsibility, especially those of us who, who have the opportunity. We have the luxury of not scrambling to survive. Um, we have these teachings and these practices given to us. We have to make use of them in order to do our best to make a difference in the world. Um, you, you brought up not wanting to be responsible uh, an example of that is this, this issue of racism, right? It's, it's so easy when a white person like me isn't intentionally doing anything racist to think, I'm not racist, I'm not contributing to racism, um, and to uh, become defensive at the idea of white supremacy or uh, complicit with racism. Um, but of course, that ignores that the fact that, yeah, there are ways that I don't even recognize that I'm a part of a system that uh, that creates racism. Um, so I think it's it's important that we not be afraid of taking responsibility for things that we don't even understand. We might be be a part of. Uh, I don't know. I, that that's what came to my mind as an example. Yeah. I, um... The question for me really is is kind of what you pointed at a little bit is is what am I going to do with the situation that I'm I'm in right now, uh, my where I'm privileged? How am I going to use my my privileges? I feel it's important to not feel bad about being privileged. Again, it's like this is just a situation, and who wouldn't take on uh, you know something that seems positive offered offered to you. Um, but, you know, it makes me think of, of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, so many of our basic needs have been met. You know, we have shelter, we have food, many of us, um, lots and lots of things, tons of entertainment, ways to spend our time. How do we want to use the situation uh, that we're in right now mm. um, toward maybe making the world kind of more just? That's at least what I hear you saying. Yeah. Yeah, beautifully said, Avi. And that's a great uh, 
a great question to ask ourselves at a time like this uh, when we're witnessing all the problems in the world and we're about to embark in a new landmark in time that we call the new year. It's a great moment to ask a question like that. What am, what am I going to do with what I have, with what I've been given, with my opportunity? Um, how can I make a difference? Such an important question. And, and I'll just add, I think what's important to me too, is like with a feeling of lightness and fun, right? Cause not like with a heaviness, like, Oh, I have to do it because that doesn't feel right to me either. So, you know, that's a great point as well, Avi, that, that the, this effort to grow and change and improve and to be of service, ultimately it's what gives us joy. <laughs> this is what makes us really happy to be of service um, because we're not alone and isolated. Even if we're just talking through technology, we're connected and we have the opportunity to, to touch other people's hearts and to feel love and compassion flow through ours. And I think that's one of the most fulfilling things that we can experience as human beings. Agreed. Um, I think that's a, a good place for us to end. Swami Ramananda, thank you so much for your time. Um, yeah, it was really, really special to me. <laughs> this made me think, Avi, you, you, you and I should just have a talk now and then more, much more often. <laughs> I would love that so much. Yeah. <laughs> One day we'll be able to do that in person again. Yeah. Thanks so much for what you're doing. I, I really appreciate it. And I hope it's a lot of fun for you. <laughs> it's, it's rewarding. It, it has its own reward for sure. Yeah. Thanks for what you're doing, Avi. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this content and think others might as well, please feel free to share and subscribe.